I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to One Up, delivered through the AI podcast channel. I'm your host as ever, Guy Drinkle, joined as usual by Carl. How are you doing, Carl? Howdy, Guy. How are you doing today, partner? I'm good, man. I'm good. Oh, God, you've gone full Woody from RDR, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was going oh, for. Oh, dear. You know? Oh, God, I don't, <laughs> think I, I don't think I could do that for a whole pod. Uh, but we will talk about what we've been playing and... Uh, yeah, that's gonna. That's just gonna be the RDR bit. But we're not doing. It's not the. Uh, it's not the Red Dead Redemption review just yet. I mean, Carl's probably ready for it, but I am not. I have been a slow burner with that one. Um, but that might be next week or the week after. But in this show, we're going to be talking about um, comparing generations of console because I think this is the fifth year of this current one, isn't it, Carl? It is, as of this month, was the the launch of both the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One back in November 2013. Mm, so we thought it just, well, this is all your idea, actually, so I won't say we. You thought it'd be a good idea to talk about uh, comparing this gen to the previous one and, and some highlights and possibly some lowlights if we have time. Um, but Carl, as ever, we do start with the news and there's a, there's a couple of weird stories kicking about. Do you want to go through? Yeah, um, definitely. That that's the, the way I'd, I'd describe it this week. You know, kind of some uh, some things worth discussing. That's for sure. Um, number one, we have Activision says it's not happy with Destiny sales, and this comes from Jason Schreier, as always, over on Kotaku. Um, and Jason writes, sales for Destiny Two Forsaken have not lived up to Activision's expectations. The publisher said today on an earnings call promising investors a faster content model and new forms of monetization for the game. This comes at a time when the Destiny fan base is as happy as it's ever been, which raises serious questions about the future of everyone's favorite loot shooter treadmill franchise. With Destiny 2 released in 2017, Activision and developer Bungie tried very hard to appeal to as many new players as possible, streamlining many of the first game's esoteric 
esoteric systems and forcing all new characters to start from scratch. Although Destiny 2 earned a better critical reception than the first game, it wasn't what hardcore players wanted, and in the months after launch, Bungie put a great deal of effort into overhauling the weapon system, the aim game, and just about every other mechanic with very productive results. These improvements culminated with Forsaken, an expansion that came out in September to critical acclaim. It's full of level grinding and a regular stream of rewarding activities, along with cool secrets and killer endgame content, which has made hardcore Destiny players happier than they've ever been. It didn't sell enough copies to meet Activation's expectations, however. Quote, some of our other franchises like Destiny are not performing as well as we'd like, end quote, the company said on today's earnings call. That news shouldn't be much of a surprise to anyone who's been paying attention to re sorry, who's been paying attention recently. Last week, Activision started giving away the PC version of Destiny 2 for free until 18th of November, a sign of weak sales for the franchise. Quote, we have not yet seen the full core re-engage in Destiny, end quote, said Activision COO Cody Johnson. Quote, which has led to the underperformance against expectations to date, Some players are in wait-and-see mode. If you're in, you're deeply engaged. If not, we think now's the time to bring the players back, end quote. And you can read the full story over on Kotaku, of course. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, it's quite strange messaging there. It's like, you know, our our fans, our our loyal, dedicated fans who stuck with the game and who have bought uh, Forsaken, you know, are happier than ever. But... They're not enough, so screw what they want, and we're gonna new, we're going to kind of release new forms of monetization. I mean, that's that's the message I'm getting there, guy. I don't know what you're taking from that. It, it certainly sounds like that, and um, to be honest, that's an absolute piss take. I ain't, I love Destiny One, um, and I imagine I'm going to talk about it later on when we talk about um, current gen uh, current gen uh, games and stuff like that. But Destiny Two. It it had a better story, but it should have been so much better considering what Destiny One was with Taken King. Uh, I'm not sure how much you've played of it, Carl. But d- d- when Destiny One Point Five, let's call it, came out in the form of the Taken King, it was a completely different game. And then Destiny Two came out, and it was it just went. It seemed to go back to square one. Obviously, it was going always going to with your character and stuff like that, and that's fair enough. But in terms of the game, it just felt like it went back to the basics, and it just felt wrong. And I, I'm one of the people who got for, forsaken. I mean, I, it's not as good as Taken King was, um, because well, that, that was a very difficult task. Um, but it did it did help fix parts of the game, and it made it more fun, and. I really went off Destiny 2. I mean, I'm sure I have 80 plus days in Destiny 1. Um, it did help that like, you know, I was at uni back then and uh, it, uh, all my mates were still playing it. But Destiny 2, it just felt really soulless and lifeless. And then they kind of fixed that with Forsaken. And the fact that they're going to go back to it being a dead game, a bit of a soulless game in terms of adding in microtransactions that are becoming bigger and more important and stuff like that, because obviously they have them now, but it's just cosmetic stuff. If they make, if you can now fast-track yourself with money and stuff like that, it's just going to make it even more dead. I mean, 
it's 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 disappointing because I think there's already talk of Destiny three, but if Destiny two's already on the down and they're going to desperate lengths to get money, maybe they need to rethink the long term strategy of the franchise. I mean, Bungie obviously famed for Halo and uh, obviously falling out with Microsoft, but Destiny one was a huge success. Destiny two probably is, still is a huge success, but it's not it's not as as successful. So maybe maybe the relationship with Activision can will sour because we we know what Activision are about they obviously have the COD franchise it's a, it's all about money rather than quality isn't it we we all know that I imagine everyone's into that but the game, games we'll probably talk about throughout this show you got CD Projekt Red they they refuse to put in microtransactions I think well maybe they are in uh, Cyberpunk um, but they, they they don't make microtransactions to focus um, Bethesda never really do them uh, add uh, not add yet. Rockstar do have them, but again, it's just it doesn't really help you too much apart from online. But again, skill can outweigh that um pretty easily on a on a Rockstar game. Um, whereas Activision, your EAs and stuff like that, I'm gonna have to put them in the same bracket. It's just it just seems to be money before customer, and that's fair. But you need to strike up a balance, really, and that that's my that's my take on it. You need to strike up a balance between making money. And appeasing your fan base, whereas I think Activision and uh, EA especially are are on uh, the wrong side of that argument for me. I, yeah, you, well put, I mean, I, I'd, I'd agree with, with what you've said there. Yeah, I mean, I, I was also kind of a Destiny One and Destiny Two player with, with Destiny One. I I played it religiously for for a couple of months. Thing lasted kind of. Uh, kind of milked the first dlc and then we all kind of went off it few of us came back for the second dlc it didn't really hook us back in and that was kind of the end for us i heard great things about forsaken king but it just had been or not forsaken king sorry i'm mixing up the two um <laughs> that's what, how you fix the game again? taken Taken King, yeah, Taken King. Uh, I heard amazing things, and a lot of people who still were playing it were telling me to come back. But I just thought it had been kind of too long, and my thought was like, why wasn't this in the game yeah. from the offset? Because the game was fun with your friends, but it was bare bones. There was like yeah. one raid, and there just wasn't much post-game content. Um, similar then, jump back in for Destiny Two, got into it. But that with Destiny 2, we didn't even last till the first DLC. Um, didn't buy the first DLC at first because I didn't hear great things. And then I think it was when the second DLC came out, I bought the, the expansion pass. But, uh, you know, I thought the DLC was awful. Like, it was like, what's the point in this? Like, so the first DLC doesn't even add a raid. It just adds this extra mode or something to the first raid. Like, it just, it seems so lazy. And I'm like, why couldn't they just pack this stuff once again i'm hearing brilliant things about forsaken mm. and certain people are telling me oh, i should give destiny a go again but i just think it's it's been too long so i guess in this way i'm part of the problem because i'm a, a destiny 2 player that hasn't come on for forsaken king but you know like i just like i did with destiny 2 from destiny 1 i'd hope that destiny 3 will will learn a lesson and come out with more content from the offset so that there there is things to do post game but i don't i don't hold that hope anymore because it's clear as you said it it just makes no sense how they learned their lessons with taken king and then yet why wasn't that incorporated into destiny 2 and i mean is it any any wonder that that they have this issue that that they are lose players are dropping off when it, it just takes them too long 
kind of get the game where it needs to be. And I just think it's insane, this idea that they're bringing kind of micro hinting at microtransactions alike, because that was one of the biggest people's biggest gripes with Destiny 2 was the microtransactions with the buying the dust and all that. I, I can't even remember the, the exact terms. But, Silver I mean, dust. <laughs> that's it, yeah. And and pe- people were, were mad about that. And it, it seems like we're going to get that again. We're probably going to get a lot of kind of very shallow DLCs like that that uh, are probably even less, even more shallow, basically, than than the, the first DLC for Destiny 2 was, which, which I thought was ridiculous, the price of it, considering how mm-hmm. little actually was yeah. added. So... I mean, I I don't like to to see this, and and the obviously there was a bit more to this um, particular uh, story, so I would recommend listeners go and listen, uh, read what what else Jason had to write. But Jason kind of indicated that there's you know long been kind of suggestions of kind of internal strife between Activision and De- and Bungie in regards mm. to their visions for Destiny. And I, I did hear there was a story during the rounds a few months back, I'm not sure if you recall, but um, that basically Bungie won't be uh, working on uh, Destiny 3. And I think oh it was a, was a Vicarious Visions. Um, I could be plucking that out of nowhere. I'm going to just have a look there. I think it was Vicarious Visions that were being um, rumoured to be taking over. Who, who are they? Destiny. What are they famous for? If you know off the top of your head, um, vicarious reasons. What did they? Yeah, well, they they worked on Destiny Two on the DLC. Um, oh, okay. They did the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy. They're also doing the the Spider or the Spiral, collection. They they've done a lot of different things across the way. Kind of ports to Wii and and DS of existing games and. Um, you know they they've more been kind of mm-hmm. known for in the past for porting console games to handhelds, basically. Um, they're a I good f- studio. Yeah, but... I think you got to learn from Microsoft's mistake, though. Um, you can't carry on Bungie without Bungie. I mean, look at Halo Four and Five. The fucking shit. <laughs> Let's be honest, <laughs> they're awful. The last uh, good, the last good Bungie Halo was Reach, and then Four. Story was stupid. Five was okay. I think four was just a bit stupid and a bit disappointing. I think five was more acceptable, but it was a bit stupid in places. But they're just not the same as what Halo Three and Halo Reach were in in terms of um, the complete package. Obviously, Halo Two <clears throat> had a bit of online, but it, Xbox Live wasn't as big back then. But I, 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 that's why I said Halo Three and Reach, and then they just went downhill, and that that's why I think. If Activision, not this, obviously, or uh, have the rights to Destiny and stuff like that, but yeah, oh, I, I don't want all the good of Destiny, which I imagine comes from Bungie, then getting tampered with by another developer, and then if Activision have more influence over this uh, new developer, whoever that'd be, um, it, it's just gonna make it worse because if Bungie. Uh, Ah, uh, the the uh, this is their love. This is their brainchild, and this is all. If all the good things that Destiny does right is Bungie, and then Activision wants to monetize stuff, make more smaller DLCs more common and stuff like that, it's just it's just disappointing. I mean, <laughs> I'd love Bungie back with Microsoft, but I don't think that would happen. <laughs> but I just hope they don't end up with PlayStation or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's a shame Bungie seemed to. Uh, 
fallout with people. Hopefully they can fix it up with Microsoft or something and come fix the Halo <laughs> franchise. But I think that's why they left, wasn't it? They didn't want to. They wanted to uh, kill off Halo and move on. To do something new, uh, yeah. Which I'd still love. <laughs> no, uh, I mean it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with with uh, Destiny. As uh, I, I'm, I still fully expect to get a Destiny three, and oh, yeah, I'd assume by money. this stage, um. You know, may be interesting. Like, will it be next gen or will it be? Because I mean, there wasn't much of a gap between Destiny One and Two. But to be fair, like, there wasn't much of a change. Like, you know, it's not like a massive update in terms of graphics or no. anything like that. So it's a similar. I think it's the same engine. So, um, like, it, it's that's no surprise. But will for Destiny Three? Will they do the same thing again, or will they try to, you know, make make a kind of more a lot more change um it, it will be interesting to see and obviously at the moment we don't even know for sure that it'll be bungie developing it so um i suppose on on that front we'll we'll, we'll have to wait for for more news um but but it, it'll definitely be one to watch you know especially with these these latest statements mm. yeah absolutely and hopefully it gets better because as i said i love destiny one and i, I really wish it would get back on track um but what else is in the news then, Carl? Yeah, so our second story here, Final Fantasy XV DLC cancelled, Hajime Tabata quit Square Enix. And that's the source is Martin Robinson over at Eurogamer. And Martin writes, Hajime Tabata, the man who brought Square Enix's troubled Final Fantasy XV project home, has quit the company with a majority of planned DLC for the game now cancelled. The news comes in the immediate wake of Square Enix posting notice of an extraordinary loss of 3,733 million yen, which is just over 25 million pounds. With Luminous Productions, Tabata's recently formed studio cited in the statement. Bizarrely, Square Enix made the announcement of Tabata's departure and the cancellation of DLC as part of a special live stream, a continuation of a series it's used to keep in touch with fans throughout the latter part of Final Fantasy XV's development. Eurogamer understands that Tabata was presented with the option to have Luminous Productions turn into one of Square Enix's regular business divisions, a course it now seems set on or spin it off as its own company with Square Enix investment, though he chose to leave altogether. The departure was confirmed internally towards the end of the summer. Final Fantasy XV has been considered a success with in excess of 8 million units sold and a lengthy DLC tale continuing to bring business in. That DLC has been curtailed, though, with all but one of the four episodes planned for 2019 now cancelled. In regards to my next endeavours and near future, I have a project that I truly wish to solidify as my next challenge after Final Fantasy XV. Tabata divulged on the live stream. Quote, as production of episode Arden continues and Luminous Productions works on new projects, I felt that it was time for me to hand over the torch to the next generation group of talented and trustworthy colleagues and believe that they will create something amazing, end quote. And there's since been an update to this story. Uh, Square Enix has been in touch to provide a statement and to assert that contrary to a part of our report, that Luminous Productions will remain its own division. Quote, Hajime Tabata resigned from his role as the director of Final Fantasy XV at the end of time, at the same time, apologies, he left Luminous Productions and has no further relations with Square Enix or Luminous Productions, end quote, it reads. 
Quote, we are told that he left for personal reasons. It is with regret to see the departure of such a talented member of staff who applied themselves on Final Fantasy XV and many other memorable titles. We wish him every success for the future and we will continue to cheer him on. End quote. Quote, as to the future of Luminous Productions, the studio was established with the goal to create a new IP, so we are continuing to develop our new title, end quote. And you can read the full article over on Eurogamer. Um, yeah, so, I mean, a b- bit of a, a surprise. I mean, that that's um, Tabata, who, you know, you know, in more recent times had been arguably the biggest name at Square Enix after after he saved the seemingly unsavable uh, project of, of Final Fantasy XV, in which, you know, for, for those unfamiliar, that, that game, at one point, it never seemed to be coming out. <laughs> took took uh, a mean, little while, didn't it? <laughs> that's it. I mean, like, as someone who is a big Final Fantasy fan, I can remember back in the day, before the PS3 had even come out, reading about... Final Fantasy 13 and Final Fantasy Versus 13, these two projects that um, were going to be coming out on the PS3. Originally, they're supposed to be exclusive to the PS3, both of them. And I was like, wow, this is going to be awesome. And like later, it came out that Final Fantasy 13 would be on Xbox, but that Versus 13 would be still exclusive to PS3. And it just kind of went quiet and there was rumors to cancel it. You know, so it never seemed like it was coming out. But lo and behold, Tabata stepped in and we got Final Fantasy 15 and Final Fantasy 15 was a very good game. It wasn't a great game. It was definitely an unfinished game, hence the need for DLC. But the DLC was supposedly good. I mean, I haven't gotten around to playing any of the episodes yet, but I heard two of the three that are already out are, are quite good. Um, I've heard the multiplayer game is a bit of fun. The the, the co-op kind of game DLC they, they released. And, you know, I was looking forward to uh, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Before this this got um, announced, I knew that one episode was coming out, that being the episode Arden, which is coming out in March. That was announced in the same live stream. However, I knew Tabata had said he wanted to make more DLC, but I didn't even know it was official to, that he was going to make more DLC, which has now been cancelled. And it's crazy to think that a game that came out at the end of 2017 was most likely, had they gotten their way, still going to have DLC episodes coming out for it towards the end of 2019. Like, that's a two-year cycle for a single-player game. Like, it, it seems insane. Like, But what I found most interesting about this story is, like, I mean, my my take on the story just quickly is basically, you know, it's disappointing because I would have liked to see what Tabata would do. You know, I, I think Final Fantasy 16 is probably already being worked on in one of their other internal divisions, probably well underway. So I don't think Tabata's team would have been taking 16. Though maybe if it got stuck in development hell, he'd have <laughs> to step in and take over. But uh, uh, what maybe Tabata's team would have ended up with him working on Final Fantasy 17 or 18 and it would have been interesting to see what they did, you know, kind of a 2.0 version of Final Fantasy 15 because there was a lot of great ideas there. So I am disappointed in that, but at the same time, Tabata is going to make his own game in his own company. Be interesting to see what happens there. And overall, for me, you know, Square Enix at one point were in a dark age in terms of their Japanese division, like when when we were just getting sequels to Final Fantasy 13 that no one asked for and silly side games and the like. But like now they've listened to fans you know they fans said oh we want old final fantasies we want old uh chrono triggers you know what have we gotten uh we got that uh, tokyo game factory who make made i am setsuna which was a great little game and 
Lost Fear, which wasn't as good, but, you know, they're kind of spiritual successes to Chrono Trigger. There's one wish fulfilled. You know, people wanted all Final Fantasies. You know, they, they uh, obviously, they, they partnered to do Bravely Default. That kind of was all Final Fantasy. Recently, obviously, and their internal division partnered with Acquire to do Octopath Traveler, which has been a massive hit on the mm. Switch. That's another Final Fantasy, like, inspired by classic Final Fantasy um kingdom hearts another game in development hell seems to finally be coming out in in january Touchwood, um you know uh dragon quest you know is finally coming west and in a big way like we're getting a lot of dragon quest titles dragon quest 11 the latest mainline series entry came out in september and by all accords it maybe was overshadowed a little bit by spider-man but it sold really well and it's been a big critical hit and i'm sure we're going to get a, a dragon quest 12 as a result um you know final fantasy 7 remake will it happen will it won't i don't even want i don't want to play devil's advocate there but we hope it happens but like and the thing that arguably excites me the most and this name might mean nothing to you but it'll mean something to people is that <laughs> Hideo Baba um, known as kind of the mastermind behind the, the tale series left Bandai Namco to join Square got his own division in Square and is working on an action RPG you know Square are kind of hitting on all fronts in, in terms of, of RPG so I don't think that the departure of Tabata is you know as big a deal as, as some are making even though it is it is still a shame um, but I've seen some reactions and, and people, people are livid at, at Square. Like, I'm not sure if you, you've seen anything, guy, but like, I mean, I, I, I was listening to another podcast today and the reaction of a, a certain kind of listener who wrote in, I mean, he, he was ripping Square to bits and saying they'd driven Tabata away and, and all this, which, you know, we, that's pure speculation. Anyway, I mean, reading this story, according to Eurogamer sources, Tabata was offered the chance to, either head up the division or to have his company spun off with Square investing in it, you know, like so they mm. wanted to hold on to him. Like it doesn't seem like they've, they've driven him it, away at not, all. It's not a Konami Kojima situation by the sounds of it. it. Exactly. And that's what this writer tried to compare it to. He was comparing it to Kojima and to Igarashi. And I was like, I, I, you like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Maybe behind closed doors, it is a negative thing, but there's no reason to jump to that conclusion with, with no, no evidence, you know? So I just thought some of the, some of the backlash was crazy. And I think, I, I wonder, is that because of, that's why I thought this story, especially, you know, was, was interesting is because is that now the thing, especially with, with uh, Japanese publishers, you know, is everyone going to kind of, Every time Capcom make a mistake or Square make, and it's not even a mistake. Square have made a mistake here. A, a staff member has left his job. That happens in places everywhere. It's just he happens to be a, a particularly notable developer. But I mean, are we now going to get it now where everyone is going to be Konamified? You know, every time something negative happens at mm. Square Enix or Capcom. Oh, it's like Konami. It's like Kojima. It's like Igarashi. Like, is that what we're going to get? Like, it's. And, you know, is, is that warranted? Like, it, it's just, it, it, it seems crazy to me, like, that, that people are just tiring with a wide brush. Yeah, so it's, it, it definitely sounds like, well, <laughs> this current climate of social media and stuff, I think any news can spiral and snowball into, <laughs> into, uh, into a big, uh, 
panic station, isn't it? It's uh, it's it's not it's not the best. It's not the calmest climber. That's what I'm trying to get at here. But yeah, I mean, I think obviously Kojima and Konami is the, probably the most high profile falling out. Um, and I think everything will be compared to that now. But yeah, as you, as you say. It's it's not been as public and it's not been as long standing to my knowledge of them falling out. Obviously, um, Metal Gear Solid Five was the last one where I, I haven't played it personally, but every, all the reviews said it was brilliant. But you saw in in many patches where um, you could see Konami rushing it through where Kojima hasn't worked his magic and stuff like that. And um, I did play Final Fantasy Fifteen. I didn't finish it. Uh, I can't remember why. I did enjoy it, but. Um, I don't know, it just it doesn't seem to have that magic that hooked me in. It was one of them games that once it was ejected, it, it didn't go back in. Um, I'd probably go back and finish it if I, was, if I could, if, uh, if I didn't have about a million games to play. Um, but yeah, I think everything will be con- compared to Kojima. But as you say, if he's been offered these higher-up jobs and more responsibility within Square Enix and more trust given by Square Enix, I don't see how, that, how it can be that much of a negative unless Square Enix are putting on loads of restrictions but it really doesn't sound like that because albeit square seem to milk a few franchises a bit too much of it i think that's one of the um criticisms of the most recent tomb raider is that it's a, it seems to be a step back from the previous two they don't they're not exactly one they're not exactly ea with fifa or cod others it's not every year you still get to, you still get decent development cycles with it and it doesn't seem to be as bad as some as some places, but yeah, I mean, if he's still going to go make games, I don't see the issue. <laughs> I I mean that that's it exactly. I mean, you're still going to get games from Tabata, and you're still going to get games from from Square Enix, and particularly, um, you know, Luminous Productions because they're still at Square Enix. I mean, this it's not like Square Enix haven't lost big people before. I mean, let's not forget, um, like that, um. The most important man at Square Enix left once upon a point time in in the form of Hironobu's Sagaguchi, the father of Final Fantasy. Like he left um, back in you know the the early kind of two thousands to to form mm. Mistwalker, um, who bizarrely partnered with Microsoft for their first two games and made them 360 exclusives a console that wasn't very popular in Japan so go figure that wasn't the best decision but they were good <laughs> games like Lost Odyssey is what I like to call the true Final Fantasy 13 um but like you know people have left you know people come people go and it's about how the studios react to kind of changing with the times and replacing those people with new talent while Konami said screw it, we don't want to bother with with much new talent we're just going to make pachinko machines you know square enix are constantly mm. creating new studios square is one of the biggest outside of well it's probably got it's in recent times it had more exclusive than microsoft obviously microsoft trying to fix that but outside of your sony's your ubisoft's and your ea's squares must be one of the biggest ones must be. yeah they're the, they're the biggest yeah um yeah. i'm pretty sure they're the biggest japanese um even ahead of must Capcom. Be. Yeah, must So, be. I mean, you know, they are, and, and they even obviously have Western interests with, you know, studios in Canada and the like working on Tomb Raider and, and whatnot. So, I mean, they're, they're a massive publisher and, and they're, they're making a lot of great games recently. I mean, 
it's just it, it seems crazy to me that that um, they've gotten such a backlash from from this. And I've seen people digging up comments talking about Tomb Raider, how the new one wasn't as good, and how why isn't why haven't we heard about Avengers? And I, I just you know as you that's said, a good point. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's dead. It's, it's dead. So we've had a Fantasy Seven. Fantasy Seven remake. <laughs> yeah. Got, gone to the graveyard of games that never were. It'll be one, but, it'll, be uh, one it'll be one we it'll be one E three in like two thousand and seventy. <laughs> it'll be Final <laughs> Fantasy seven finally. Yeah. That's it. Like but um nah, I, I just I, I can't understand the, the backlog the ba- the backlash, especially without knowing all the facts. Like we, we you know, on the surface it looks like Tabata has has left on on good terms, so I mean we should just take it as its word and and move on and just hope that that Square can can continue to make good good games, particularly good Japanese RPGs for myself. Um, so I mean I I just thought it was that one was worth um noting you know one because of how infamous that game is because of its its development hell and and two because of just how notable the the backlash is. Um, but moving on to more positive, I suppose, news per se. Um, number three, Red Dead Redemption 2 shipments reach 70 million. And this, this source for this is Christopher Dring over at GameIndustry.biz. And Christopher writes, Red Star Redemption 2 has sold in 70 million units, Take-Two has announced. Rockstar's parent company revealed that the game has shipped more units in to stores in eight days than the original managed in eight years. This figure is the number of units sold to retail stores as opposed to sold through to consumers. There's currently no update on its sell-through figures outside of the $725 million the game made in just three days, making it the second fastest selling entertainment product of all time behind Grand Theft Auto V. The game is certainly selling ahead of internal expectations as Take-Two has raised its financial estimates for the financial year on the back of it. It now expects to deliver between $2.55 billion and $2.65 billion in revenue, whereas previously it expected between $2.5 billion to $2.6 billion. Take-Two CEO Strauss Zelnick said, Red Dead Redemption 2 is now tied with Grand Theft Auto V as the highest rated title on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One with a 97 Metacritic score. A massive commercial success. Red Dead Redemption 2 has set numerous records, including achieving the biggest opening weekend in the history of entertainment with over $725 million in retail sell-through during its first three days. As a result of our strong second quarter performance and outstanding early results from Red Dead Redemption 2, we are raising our financial outlook for fiscal 2019, which is also poised to be a record year for net bookings and adjusted operating cash flow, end quote. And you can read the full story over on GameIndustry.biz. So, yeah, um, no surprises there. Red Dead 2 is selling like gangbusters. Um, what do you reckon, Guy? Fully deserved. <laughs> I mean, Rockstar and they don't do games every year, every two years, every three years, every four years. They do a game like every five years. And the people like that. Clearly, with the two quickest selling titles, and I think GTA is still, I think GTA Five still like the best selling thing in all of entertainment. Never mind gaming. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I mean, Rockstar just makes the, the most popular titles in gaming. I, I know you've got you can argue your cods and stuff like that, but Rockstar's I think Rockstar's just in a different league altogether. If I'm if I'm honest, um, yeah, seventeen million in what was it, eight days? That that that's just brilliant. And um, you've obviously played more than me, but we've both had good enough time with it. I mean, it for me it deserves all the plaudits and all the money monetary success it's going to bring when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Exactly. I mean, you, you can, when, when you take that kind of, of time with your game and, and put in, in that amount of crunch, you know, nice, nice little reference there to, to the controversy. But, <laughs> <laughs> um you know, you're you're gonna get quality out of it and that's what they've done. They did it with GTA five, they they've done it with Red Dead Two and it was clear that, you know, between the kind of rep you know, the, the rep of the first Red Dead, um well, the first Red Dead Redemption, let, let's get that straight. Not a fan of Red Dead Revolver, but we'll leave that controversial opinion for mm-hmm. another another day. But I mean, between that and then obviously the success of GTA five Red Dead 2 was always going to be success. Now, will it be as successful as GTA 5? Not so sure, but I think we're definitely going to see at least 50, maybe even 60 million copies of this game sold. Quite possibly could be the the best-selling game of the the current generation. So, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's a success. We expected it to be a success. You know, it's, it's, it's almost might not be news. It might be like and the sky is blue, you know, the, <laughs> that's, mm. that's what it comes down to. But it, it's, it's just kind of interesting to see that, that statistic that it, it sold more in eight days than the first game sold in eight years. Mm. Thing is, this is without Red Dead Online or whatever they're going to call it being, well, we know nothing about Red Dead Online. I think yeah. we pretty much know it's going to be a giant sandbox. And there's, I think there's a part, there's a, I think, I'm not sure if they've confirmed there's going to be a battle royale, but either way. That's I, 
that's what brought in G- that's what made GTA five the the um absolute Goliath that it is. And if Red Dead can even capture half of that, it's it's probably gonna be one of it's probably gonna to be top two with GTA five in terms of sales. <laughs> Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, you're right there. That, that is a, such a, a good shout because, you know, GTA Online was, was what gave GTA 5 that staying power. And there's so many people who bought the game and, and didn't even finish the story. I know so many and, and just went into online. And I think some of those people might be waiting until online launches before they pick up the game. Um, so, I mean, we, we could see a, a second flux of, of sales when GTA, or sorry, Red Dead Online comes comes on online so i mean it, there, there's a lot more legs there to come in this game and a lot more kind of sales milestones to, to reach before they're done i'd say um but you know as you said it's it's a great game so and great games deserve to sell lots of copies that's that's pretty much how, how what it comes down to yeah yeah it, it's it's good that rockstar obviously put in too much time on games <laughs> wink number two um yeah but it's good that the the work is it's getting the success that the the people at Rockstar deserve, um, because I mean imagine putting that much time in it and then turns out to be shit. <laughs> That'd be just horrendous. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rockstar made a table tennis game everyone loves for fuck's sake. <laughs> that that's very true. I, I'm not sure they've technically made a bad game i mean there was state mm. of emergency but they just published that so we'll let them off with that <laughs> uh thing is they've swept that under the carpet because like i i only heard about that on another podcast this week myself um, oh no I, I i remember well getting picking that game up one day in in kind of a, a bargain basket oh my god it's a rockstar game brought it home and i was like what on earth is this garbage <laughs> brawler oh god oh, that dear. game but uh, yeah, no, everything they actually developed was is, has been a great game. I mean, even even going way back to the to the Lemmings days. Oh God! <laughs> uh, and j- just wait till Bully Two's out, and then we can go fangirl about that. <laughs> but um, I think we've got one more bit of news before we do. Well, it's yeah, kind of, so... kind of news. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's almost it's almost basically a tweet from Major Nelson, but uh, or based on a tweet anyway. Uh, number four, Microsoft just confirmed some of what will be shown during XO18 live stream, and the source is Laura Kate Dale over on Kotaku. Um, and Laura writes, uh, this weekend in Mexico City, Microsoft is hosting XO18, an event that's a celebration of all things Xbox. While most of us won't be there in person, Microsoft does have two, a, a two-hour live stream planned to air during the event. And now there's a little more information on what's going to be shown. Major Nelson confirmed in a tweet that viewers would get to see content relating to Crackdown 3, Minecraft, Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2, Forza Horizon 4, and additional tweets have referenced some PUBG news, Shadow of the Tomb Raider DLC, and a bunch of Xbox Game Pass reveals. And you can read the full story over on Kotaku. Um, so yeah, XO18 is a thing. It's tomorrow. Um, we will see some, I'm sure, some news on DLC and stuff for those games. But uh, Crackdown 3, probably the most notable one there, obviously, because it's not out yet and we want it to be out, you know, because some of us, like myself, have, you know, been fans of the series and are looking forward to, to wrecking a city with Terry Crews, you know. who? What else do you want in life? Just do everything with Terry Crews. It'll make it better. P- pretty much, yeah. I mean, 
even even doing your taxes with Terry Crews. Yeah, just him sat in the room playing with his doing his (laughs) doing his peck dances would be fine. Make everything better. Exactly. Um, but do you think? Do you think I, as the Xbox guy, do you think we might get any surprises at this XO18 stream? Maybe some Gears of War. You know, I'm, I'm holding our hopes. Um, I think if it is anything, it would be Gears of War because uh, Sea of Thieves is dead in the water. Um, shit Ooh, pun there. I like it. That's a shit. <laughs> <pun there>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's a good, it's a good thing, but I think the way it launched, it, it's it's. Yeah, it needs a big rebrand, I think. Um, maybe if the but I know it's on Game Pass, but maybe they need to make it free for everyone uh, in a, in a proper dead spell. But yeah, I think the one surprise, the one surprise would be Gears of War. So I think it's rumored for the spring. Uh, if not, it'll probably be pushed back to. Uh, well, I think everyone's going to avoid the uh, the winter out <laughs> with uh, Cyberpunk and uh, Last of Us, which obviously we, I think we discussed. A couple shows ago, The Last of Us. Um, uh, um yeah, but I whenever mean, that is, I, I don't know. Wait, wait, I think like the for Gears of War, especially if it's good, um, the fall could be a good slot because yeah. I mean, what I'm, what, what I, I, um, uh, my own opinion, we, we, did, and you, you, you share that opinion. We discussed it a couple of weeks ago. We, we're not so sure there's going to be a new Call of Duty next year. We, we think it might be kind of a two-year cycle for for Black Ops Four. Uh, similarly, we know there definitely won't be a Battlefield, and there's no talk of a, a Star Wars Battlefront Three either to, to plug that though. gap. Yeah, so there, freezy is one next well, that, year. that is that is a rumor actually recently, and, and mm. we didn't do a show actually while we were we were so busy playing Red Dead. Actually, that's that's a, a good good point there. Did you hear that that rumor? Yeah, um, I saw it. The, the said that respawns got both that Jed- jedi fall fallen order and and titanfall and 3 titanfall at the same 3, time yeah. that's insane like i mean but uh, you wouldn't put a past act um activision after the or sorry ea after yeah, just EA what they did with everyone with this, at respawn uh, just like work faster you bastards <laughs> titanfall 2 and and um and uh but uh battlefield one wasn't it was it came out as or was it yeah, it was Battlefield, yeah. Yeah, I think like, it was so Battlefield 1, yeah. We, you can't put a pass on to be fair. But, I mean, I, I would hope they learn from that and that, you know, maybe Titanfall 3 isn't until 2020, maybe, or maybe early 2020. Maybe, maybe one's ready for the summer. Maybe yeah. one's ready for the fall. Yeah, that 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 could 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 uh, potentially be it. But I mean, but bar, I mean, I, I'm sure that that Jedi game, which is 2019, will have some sort of multiplayer mode. It is respawn, but it's not going to be kind of a dedicated uh, multiplayer game. So I think, and again, Cyberpunk's a single player game. So I think Gears of War, if it's good, you know, with with no Call of Duty and and Battlefield potentially in its way, and you know, it, it could be in a great, it could have like a wide open expanse to to regain some of that kind of territory it had in the multiplayer space in the previous gen with with like the first gears of war and, and two and three like so uh, i'd be really interested to see what, what what you know gears can do if it is actually a good game which which we hope yeah. it is and um, maybe we'll find out more at xo18 um that that <laughs> is uh what I'd hope, anyway. That's the main game I'd be looking forward to, to seeing, and and Crackdown Three, of course. If this is an out before XO18, people may have watched it and be like, "Yeah, there was nothing." <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah hopefully there I, is something. 
Yeah, I, I hope so. But I mean, I don't want I don't want Microsoft to. I don't think they will, Ian. Anyway, I mean, the, the events in Mexico. No offense to Mexico City, but what I mean is, if they were having planning a massive thing, I, I'm sure they would have done it kind of in the Bay Area, and you know, they would have invited like everyone, and like that's if we're suddenly being told what all yeah. their new studios projects are. And I don't want that either because a lot of the, those projects are going to be a few years off. They're next gen. I don't want things announced too early. Microsoft's done that too many times. Anyway, they've things early and then they've gotten cancelled i mean scale bound cough mm. uh, you know um so like i don't want to see that but but some gears of war would be nice and fable maybe you know because that could be right at the end of this 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 oh, gen so no. maybe no 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 fable fable should be next gen that should be a launch title for me that's an easy sell that <clears throat> Maybe, but they've been working on it for a while, so I, I just don't know. But it, it'll be interesting. Anyway. I mean, I'll... <laughs> means it'll be good. <laughs> yeah, possibly, but I mean, touch I, wood. I'll, I'll be tuning in anyway to see what uh, yeah what Microsoft have to show. I in, mean, I watched hope. the last one where they were just talking about controllers for half an hour, and I, I'll I'll suffer through that again. <laughs> Fair controllers are right in your wheelhouse. I mean, that's exactly. that's your. That's your primary reason for your console of, of uh, choice, because it's definitely not the games in this jam, which we'll, which we'll be getting to in a moment. Bitch. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, hopefully they, they have a, a couple of surprises for us anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, And that is the news. Good, good. Um we haven't done how what time we are. we haven't done just the we haven't done the hour yet, but we do have enough time and a decent amount of time to get through this. Um, so it's your idea, Carl. Obviously, I explained it as comparing gens. Do you want to give us a bit more details, and then we'll get into yeah, a bit so, of a discussion? So obviously, we're we're going to be doing a Red Dead Redemption two um review quite soon, and shortly after that, we'll we'll obviously be covering Game of the Year, and that that got me kind of thinking that. You know, this year's been, especially the past few months, has been so solid for 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 games. We've got Red Dead Redemption Two, Spider Man, and God of War in the space of a few months. On uh, you know, in the same year, mm. and like I, I, all three of those games, of course, will be in the conversation for Game of the Year. And I don't want to focus too much on those tr- specific three titles because we're going to be talking a lot about them, and we already have talked a lot about Spider Man and God of War already. But it got me thinking, like, what other games, I mean, uh, as well, where, as I said, we said earlier, we're in the five years into this generation now. So I was thinking, what other games, you know, along with those three, because I think those three games will be games that will be talked about in conversations when we're talking about what games were the best games on that console generation, what were the games that defined that console generation. I was wondering, what other games, you know, at this five years in, do we have that also belong in that conversation you know uh, of the best games and and again the games that that define the generation overall i mean like the the last generation you know you you think back and you can rattle off so many games gears of war halo 3 call of duty 4 elder scrolls 6 skyrim Mm -hmm. gta 5 mass effect 2 bioshock the last of us and you know i could go on and on i'm sure you have your your own shouts as well on on what oh, belongs wow. in that list but it, it, it's like it, it's it almost so i mean there was it felt at one point in that generation that it was just hit after hit after hit and it was like where do i spend my money where do i spend my time um like apart in this generation i don't know about you but i i've found that it's not 
as much there's a lot more kind of quieter periods where there's not these massive games and, and you're kind of thinking like I think there's there are quality games across the board there's lots of great games to play I'm not saying that but these kind of defining games I feel my personal opinion maybe that there's maybe less of them in this generation or maybe it's just that this generation has changed things a bit and what those kind of games are has has kind of changed possibly that that's that's something I, I thought was was maybe worth discussing, like what games we think deserve mm. in that 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 discussion, and kind of how we see this generation, like what what defines this generation, basically. Um, <clears throat> well, in terms of game titles, I, I definitely think the best is still yet to come. In terms of this generation, um, obviously we've talked about uh, Last of Us Two in passing, and um, that's still to come. Uh, obviously, the first one was. Uh, Tower is one of the best for the last gen. Uh, I haven't played it, unfortunately, which people keep having a go at me at. <laughs> um, we've got Cyberpunk to come. Um, obviously, they made The Witcher, which I will mention. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm uh, dibs in that one, Carl. So, uh, <laughs> um, but what this, uh, just in general, what this one will be defined for, I think the technology more so than anything. I mean, we've obviously had VR, which is kind of been a bit of a passing fancy if anything um but i think in terms of having 4k so readily available uh, the services are now much more better i know ps3 um online was a bit shit uh xbox live grew into what it was to uh, today i mean the original xbox 360 xbox live was a bit shit you couldn't have parties and stuff like that whereas on <clears throat> xbox one and ps4 it's obviously been a much more stable process and everything else is so i think Obviously, placed, this is more so from an Xbox point of view. I think the technology's the main thing for an Xbox game, whereas I imagine all the PS4 people be going, hey, got God of War and all that shit. I've played God of War, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think from my point of view, I'd probably say the technology, which is probably not the best thing to say about a five-year process. But, um, yeah, in terms of games, I think the best... The best so far, I have to say, is Witcher 3. And, um, yeah, I think that's the real defining one. But just a, just a point before we start going into more specific titles. I mean, looking... You mentioned, like, Mass Effect 2. I'm not sure when Last of Us came out. Um, and GTA 5 was obviously last gen. They were at the end of the gen, weren't they? The best games that we can remember were the end of the... Or towards the last couple of years of um, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. So your Mass Effect 2... I think that was. I think two thousand and ten was one of the big years when uh, I think it was like Uncharted three, Uncharted two came out, Mass Effect two came out. I think one of the Arkham games came out, um, and that was three years before the end. And we've obviously said we think it's coming either twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one next gen. So we're kind of in that stage now, and we've obviously already mentioned the games that are possibly coming out in terms of Cyberpunk, Last of Us two, uh, God, PS, PlayStation will probably crap out a few more exclusives um xbox and who god knows what's coming out you've got your anthems your divisions um whatever bethesda will get up to in the next couple of years there's quite a lot more to come um so it's quite interesting to compare it now but maybe when we maybe we can revisit this topic in a few years and it might be a completely different different topic but at this moment i think last gen is definitely battering this one on terms of significant games 
Yeah, I mean, as I said, I'd probably agree with that. But that is a fair point you make that, you know, we look at last year as a seven-year cycle and it was the last three years, I mean, you make a great point. I hadn't even really thought of that myself, that, you know, games like Skyrim and GTA V and The Last of Us and Mass Effect 2, they came out in, in those three years, whereas maybe in the first four years, you didn't have quite as many. You definitely had games like Gears of War, Halo 3, Call of Duty 4 that, that came out in those earlier years. But, you know, maybe, you know, people were still, fig- the developers were still figuring out kind of the the technology and, and it was going to take them a, a few goes and, and some time to get kind of the best games out there. And maybe with this first year with of the, because we are, according to the rumors anyway, as you say, we two more years of the current gen and then this year would be that third year and, and this year we, we've gotten mm. God of War, Spider-Man and Red Dead. So maybe we're entering that kind of where the, the studios are going to start to put out their masterpieces of the generation. So with, with that in mind, I mean, it, it is interesting and as you said, there are games like Cyberpunk and, and um, Last of Us 2 to name just a couple that are probably even without playing the games, I'd be shocked if they don't end up in, in this mm-hmm. list by the end. And I'm sure there will be other games as well. Like So that that, that is a great point. Um, but I mean, there has been games, as you said, The Witcher 3 probably is the best. Um, and there, there's other games like that that kind of fit in kind of with The Witcher 3 as more kind of what we traditionally think of when we're making these lists and what would maybe be closer to the kind of games we had in the previous gens list. But for me, oddly, when it comes to um, this conversation, the first kind of games, you know, if you're being honest, even if they're not for you, that, that come to mind when it comes to this generation are, you know, these kind of, I don't know, you know, these these long-lasting multiplayer games, these some games as a service almost, you know, Fortnite, Overwatch, Player Unknown Battlegrounds. Rocket League, those those four in particular, like they are synonymous with this generation. And, you know, I'm sure we've all dabbled in at least one of those games, maybe all four. You know, I'm sure we'd like at least one of those games. I mean, I'm, I really like both Overwatch and Rocket League. I don't get to play them as much. Are we getting old, pal? Is that the point here? <laughs> the gaming universe has just moved on and we're not getting these brilliant single play games. Because I think people... I think people, this gen, the next generation of gamers, not games, it, they seem to be all about multiplayer, whereas I'm sure you'd agree with me here. I, I don't think you can top a single-player experience. I mean, we all, I'm sure we all have our favourite Call of Duty experience, but like mine's five. Some people might be four or six or whatever. Um, yeah. Whereas now, now people will be taught, now people's favourite experiences will be Fortnite, I'm not even going to put PUBG in this discussion. <laughs> now people's favourite experience will be on Fortnite, because that has been such a a goliath for, what, the last two years? 18 months, whatever it's been. Um, so yeah, I think Fortnite is definitely the one that changes the, changes the landscape, whereas these big, these big games are now getting destroyed by a free-to-play game. <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe, maybe the spectrum's changed, because, I mean, can you think of anything that was on Xbox 360 or PlayStation 3 that was, let's not say free, but was cheap and had this impact? Because I certainly can't. 
Not, not, yeah, no, not really. Like, I mean, as I said, that we, you know, we mentioned multiplayer games for the, the last gen, like, like Gears and Halo and Call of Duty, but, you know, they, they were games, they had some staying power. They, they probably had maybe a life cycle of a couple of years before sequels came along and kind of took their, the wind out of their sails pretty much. But I mean, they didn't have the kind of life, like how long, as as you said, Fortnite's been doing gangbusters for, for what feels like a, a couple of years now, Overwatch even longer, um, PUBG kind of died down a bit, but it's still there. And it's, Minecraft. It's out on PS. Yeah, that's another one. I, I didn't even think of that. But now that, I suppose, the argument there was, was that last gen? Mm. It technically was, but it's still I think that's, it's play, still that's an example. PC more than anything, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, true. <laughs> But, I mean, it's definitely still one of those kind of games, even yeah. despite what gen it, it originated in. And, I mean, those are the, even if they're not for you, those games are the big games. You know, only yesterday I was in the pub and there was a little kid walking around in a Fortnite hoodie. You know, the the game is just, that game is, it's it's like, it's 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 almost beyond the game in terms of its popularity. Like, and, and it, like, it's just insane that that these games. I never would have like as I said. I I picked up Overwatch and I got really into it and and I do really enjoy it. It's probably one of my uh-huh. favorite multiplayer games. Probably is my favorite multiplayer game of this current generation. But like when I played it first, I didn't think it was going to turn into to what it has. And it, it's just it's it's crazy. You know, as I said, hate, hate or love these kind of games, they are here to stay. Literally, the you know people are still going to be playing Overwatch and Fortnite and Rocket League. You know, in a year, in two years, probably in three years, or those games are probably going to end up being on the next gen, or maybe at least sequels to those games. Mm. I mean, that's the kind of staying power they have, and I, I think it, it's strange to me that they are the first kind of games that come to mind when I kind of think of games that define this generation. But you you have to say that they do. I mean, there was weeks where it was a running joke between you and I that Fortnite would pop up on the news every week because it was popping up on the did, news yeah. every week. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you you can't deny it. Like those those games are massive, and although like we might have somewhat limited experiences of them, as, as I said, I've played over. I've played all. Well, I haven't actually played PUBG, but yeah. I've played the other three, and as I said, I really enjoyed Overwatch and Rocket League. But um, and I still play them now and again. But I mean, you can't talk about this generation without talking about those those four games, and as you said, Minecraft as well. Even though it technically straddled the the generations, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Overwatch is it's kind of transformed um, competitive gaming as well. I mean, that that obviously they brought in the Overwatch League and stuff like that, that, that I think, I'm not sure if it was one of the most watched things on Twitch, obviously I don't know there's, I haven't looked into those statistics because it's just jumped into my head there, but it was probably the first, I mean, I've watched a couple Halo um, competitions and stuff, um, but Overwatch was the first one I was like, this is pretty goddamn cool. <laughs> and I think that's what I think that's what Overwatch has really done. It's re- revolutionised competitive gaming, um, as well as casual gaming, because it is such an easy game to play. I mean, obviously everyone uh, has an experience with Call of Duty, Battlefields. Um, they're the main two, <laughs> uh, but Overwatch is kind of obviously it's a cl- it's a character class based shooter, but it, it's just. It's so easy to play. It attracts all the audiences. You've got your characters for your kids. You've got your hardcore competitiveness for your for your hardcore gamers. And if you're not into that, 
and you just want a game to piss about on. It's it's that it's everything. Whereas Fort Fortnite, you could say the same. You can either be mint or you can go for a piss about. Um, PUBG, you can't really do that. You have to concentrate on PUBG. I think that's why it's probably bottom of this list. Um, Rocket League's probably the king of piss about games, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I think the, the versatility of these games. Whereas we obviously I just mentioned The Witcher. There, that's a very, not linear, but that's a very one way to play that game you have to t- you have to be into your rpg games to play that whereas there's so much flexibilities in the in these shooters and uh, and stuff like that it just it just it's kind of redefined um uh this gen uh, which is either good or bad but i mean even if we compare it to to last gen obviously we mentioned gears of war your halos your call of duties but they're kind of they don't have the flexibility of these games, whereas Call of Duty 4, you could probably... Well, I was younger, so I was less of a... <laughs> I was still a bit of an angry gamer, but I mean, it, well, you wouldn't concentrate on it as much back then. You'd obviously take the piss. Halo 3, you, you obviously got Forge mode and all that, so that's got a bit of flexibility. Gears of War, you had to take it very seriously, uh, or you'd get destroyed. Um, but I don't think anything compares to Fortnite, especially in the, in that, in that gen, so... It's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird one, um, but if we go back to notable titles, I've obviously named The Witcher Three. Carl, is there anything that jumps out for you on this current gen? I mean, let's try to avoid this year because obviously can't can't go about Gears Award Spider Man. But is there anything that's jumped up before this year? Yeah, so um, there are, have been notable titles, even if maybe they haven't been quite as numerous as as they were in the the last gen so far, as as you you most importantly pointed out. I mean. You know, going towards kind of closer to the start of the gen, you had um, Shadow of Mordor, which you know, mm. it, it almost you can for people forget about it, and people because of how bad the the second title went down with all its microtransactions and whatnot. But um, I mean, Shadow of Mordor was a game of the year, like uh, you know, a widespread game of the year. I mean, what was at its core, you know, an Assassin's Creed clone. But it just totally changed the game with its nemesis system. And, you know, obviously the Lord of the Rings setting helped. And, and people loved that game. I loved that game. Like, it's, it's one of my favorite games of the gen so far. And, I mean, that, that was one of, that was arguably the one of, if not the first big game for me of this gen. And, and one of the, the earliest titles that, that probably will remain uh, in the conversation. Um, I mean, Bloodborne, another early enough title that, that uh, people love. I mean, only last night a friend of mine was talking about Bloodborne. He's a big fan of the, the Dark Souls games. And I think you still see, I, I hear about people like streamers and stuff that are doing like their fourth and fifth playthroughs of, of that game on, on their stream. Like, so that game, like it's, it's, it's got staying power and it's, it's got, uh, it's got definitely got a, it's fan base. Um, last year was was a big year as well in in that you got Horizon Zero Dawn for PS4, Breath of the Wild for for Switch and and Super Mario Odyssey. I mean, did did uh, did, you, did you play any of those? Um I I tried to play Horizon Zero Dawn. Um but it just didn't really connect with me. I I can appreciate that it's a brilliant game and stuff like that. Uh but obviously PlayStation's my secondary console. Um I was being a bit of a bitch with that. I mean, I struggled through Uncharted 4 with it uh, being bitchy. And then I 
wanted a PlayStation 4 for Horizon Zero Dawn, so maybe there was a bit too much expectation for me, and I don't know, it just didn't feel like a game that connected with me. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad game or anything like that, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, it just didn't blend with me, I mean... <laughs> I think now, if maybe I'd go back and play it now, but I've, since I've been on the PlayStation 4 recently, I've obviously finished um, Spider-Man w- within like a few days <laughs> and got a wall within a week or two um, as well. So it might, uh, maybe it was me getting over the PS4, but may, it may have just been a game not connecting with me, but it might might be one for me to go try again, but I just didn't, I just didn't. It just didn't click with me like the way that Spider-Man and God awarded. So, for me personally, I wouldn't put it in that same bracket. But I imagine uh, if Stu and Neil are listening, they'll probably like come fight me now that I've said that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it just it just didn't it just didn't click with me, and I wouldn't put it on that upper echelon with the with the two other PlayStation ones I mentioned. Uh, to be honest, it's difficult for me to put it up there, not because I disagree with it being up there, but because I've played so little. You know, I mm. played it, I enjoyed the little bit I played, and I want to go back and play more. But, you know, at the time, I just got kind of sidetracked with other things. So it's definitely a game. It's high up on my my kind of backlist, and, and I will definitely get to it. And I'm sure by the end of the generation, I'll be talk hopefully talking about it, you know, as, as one of the better games. Um, but I... I you know, honestly, it's difficult to, you can't, obviously, you know, the the hype behind that game is there. As, as you said, the guys in the group love it. And, you know, the you listen to podcasts, you read articles, you know, it, it's clearly that it, it, it was a critical hit. And also a, a commercial hit, to be fair, it, it sold fairly well. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it, without even having played much of it, I, I think it, it it is a safe inclusion here. Uh, the Switch games, I mean, have you had any experience at all with either of those? Or? Um, the only thing I've played on Switch is Mario Kart, and I lost my shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, I played a little bit of, of uh, Super Mario Odyssey on a, on a friend Switch at one point. Like I could tell it was a good game, but to be honest, I've never been crazy on 3D Mario games. I'm more of a 2D Mario player when it comes to, to Mario mm. games. I, I could tell it was a great game. Again, don't get me wrong. And it looked cool. Like, I love the, the art in it. But, I mean, it, it just, you know, it's not my kind of game. But I, I can I can appreciate what it is. Zelda, I actually own Zelda for the Wii U. Yeah, you know, I'm a nonconformist there. God. But I, I haven't gotten absolute, around absolute to, to playing it. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Sticking with my Wii U and my second screen experience. But, um, I mean, you, yeah, again, you know, you, you can't deny the kind of the hype behind that game. And, mm-hmm. and I remember that on Horizon came out within like a space like six weeks each or something. So it was like kind of I think Zelda was the open world game of the year battles. as well, didn't it? Yeah, overall, it was yeah. game of the year last year. So no, I think in more, most publications. In my head, um, there, Carl, obviously, you just mentioned the two games of the year from last year. And I, f- I can't remember where this actually came, but I'm, I'm not sure if they actually order it. But in this gen, we've seen the re, um, redevelopment of Assassin's Creed, haven't we? It's turned now it's turned into a big RPG game, um, which I think I think it's quite a big step for something like Ubisoft because Assassin's Creed was falling into that category with your Fifas, with your CODs, where it was every year and it'd be a safe buy. You knew it'd be. 
passable. I mean, there's a couple of bad examples of Assassin's Creed games, but I think all of them are playable to a certain degree. But they obviously took that break in between, and now it's a big RPG game. And I think people appreciate that. I know some hardcore fans, I know one of my mates, Rob, he, he doesn't, he prefers the old style of it. But I think in general, most people would quite like the big expansive RPG version of Assassin's Creed. Maybe the fact that it's called Assassin's Creed doesn't help. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's quite a big step. I mean, main companies like Ubisoft still have a place for the hardcore game rather than the uh, casual game because I think that's what Assassin's Creed was. It was perfect for the casual, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've always enjoyed uh, Assassin's Creed, but but there was definitely even with the the better games in the series like like two, there was there was definitely um, there was some some things left to be desired. But I mean, I I haven't I I can't input too much in, into the conversation because I I haven't gotten around to to Odyssey or Origins mm-hmm. yet. But by all accounts, I mean they're the the culmination of. The, the Assassin's Creed um, kind of formula. I mean, we, we talked about Shadow of Mortar before being kind of a subject of that formula as well. And I mean, if we're, we're giving that a shout out, you know, you have to give those games a shout out because by all accounts, I mean, if if it wasn't for the existence of Red Dead and, and God of War, you know, Assassin's Creed probably would be game of the year this year. Mm. You know, even last year, uh, there were a lot of people who put the argument in for Origins last year, and that that yeah, that it was it was wasn't even quite as yeah. as popular as as uh, as Odyssey is. Like, so I think you know one, if not both, of those Assassin's Creed games have a fair shout to be in this this conversation, even if in the last the the last um, generation. I don't as good as Assassin's Creed Two was. I'm, I don't think I'd quite put it in that upper echelon. Like it, it's maybe on the no. level if, just below. Yeah, if you had a personal choice, I mean, I'd be putting Black Flag. I don't think it was in my top ten of games. I think it was in, it was in the shout there, but I wouldn't say it's one that defined a generation of games. But yeah, I think I don't. I still don't think these two new ones are going to define this generation. But I think it's a big step. For a for a franchise, um, but I've I've asked it, I've asked what we're di- discussing in in our WhatsApp group, and Simon's mentioned a couple games. Uh, I thought I'd go through. Um, well, I'll start off with Warframe. Um, again, another free to play game that's quite popular. I don't think it's in the same, not in the same bracket as Fortnite or Rocket League or anything like that. But I think that's still a big choice there. But he's mentioned one that maybe part of defining a generation for Xbox is DayZ. Um, obviously, we've seen these games like your Ark, um, your Coden, uh, I can't remember the Coden Exiles, I think it's called, um, your Daisies. These ported games, or not ported, these games from the the PC, and I think that's kind of what Xbox has done this gen. They've tried to separate the gap, the gap to the to the to Windows and stuff like that. So maybe the maybe that's wrong or wrong or right from whatever perspective, but. Um, the def- I think they're trying to cross that bridge where placed it, uh, not places. P- PC games can be played on your Xbox. So I'm not expecting like World of Warcraft on my Xbox anytime soon. But you got your Ark survivals and stuff like that. I can see that. I can see more of them coming on the Xbox. Yeah, I mean that's it's interesting. Like I'm like Ark and and Daisy. I'm I'm not sure they similarly. You know, to, to as you said about Warframe, they they don't quite belong on on that echelon of of your of a Fortnite, but they're mm-hmm. they're definitely 
an example of of the similar thing. As you say, it's kind of a um, a graying almost of the 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 lines between consoles and and PC with a lot of these games coming across. Obviously, PUBG is a, a prime example of that. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I I think it's a it's a fair shout that that you know those games as a whole as we were discussing earlier you know it goes beyond just those four games we mentioned um you know these games as well apply that all these games as a whole they're going to be games that that are going to be associated with this generation because of that trend because of trend of these not always free to play but free to play or somewhat cheaper games that that have staying power that people are playing these games for three four or five years i mean they're definitely a feature of this game and uh, this this generation and and i think they they definitely deserve to be in the conversation for for that reason um so that that's a, a very good shout um actually while you 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 kind of we've been mentioning game of the year a lot and i thought you know what what other games have been game of the year in, in recent years and um one i didn't really think of despite me playing it only last year i got around to it and putting over 100 hours into it is dragon age inquisition sure. um which won a lot of rewards in in, in 2014 uh for for game of the year um, I mean, that was a, a great game and it was the, the while Mass Effect kind of slipped away in this generation with, with Andromeda, I think Inquisition was was probably the culmination of efforts into the Dragon Age series, though Dragon Age 2 was crap, so it wasn't really hard. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, um, I mean, it, it is a that's a, a fair shout like for 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 that deserves to, to be mentioned in this this uh this this conversation i mean did you play dragon age inquisition at all yeah loved it um it took me two attempts to go to get it uh one of my mates recommended it to me um and then i think he he went to the falcons because he was part of the raf um and he was expecting me to have it finished when he came back and i was like no <laughs> and he was kind of disappointed <laughs> he said he, then he made then he eventually just made me play it and yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how this didn't pop in my head, but it's definitely one of my favourite games of this generation. Um, yeah, mine 100%. Too. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, but in terms of... Oh, obviously, I'm, I've, I've, it's just reminded me now. I mean, I'm looking through the games of the year as you brought it up. Um, Uncharted won 2016. Not my cup of tea. Um, I thought Overwatch should have won that year. But um, the previous year, Fallout 4 won in 2015 and i obviously mentioned um maybe uh, talk about disappointment disappointing games um from this generation i think we kind of sparked this conversation in whatsapp group didn't we and i think it was neil who said uh fallout 4 it just wasn't what people expected and i was it's still quite popular but i haven't finished fallout 4 and i thought i thought it'd be one of them games i love but i just found it a bit cold and a bit long-winded but i know you're a bit you're a bigger fallout fan than me and i know we're going to try and talk about fallout 76 maybe this is a good segue but what what are your thoughts on on fallout 4 is is a defining game and is it a disappointment and any games that are disappointing for you yeah no i I mean i think um that 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 is a a fair shout i mean it's obviously sometimes with especially with game of the year you know there can be games 
you know, that, that, that uh, gets kind of picked by certain publications and, and you're surprised. But I mean, we were discussing Destiny earlier and I know a, a couple of publications gave Destiny one game of the year that year, despite the fact overall, critically, like it, it wasn't kind of a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 game as most games that would be game of the year contenders usually are. And like ultimately when you look at Destiny critically, I don't know how anyone could say it, it was a game of the year, even though, and that's coming from me, someone who put, a couple hundred hours into the game so i i found that kind of, of strange in in that way but i mean similar fallout 4 is a good example of that i mean you know i was massively hyped for fallout 4 as you said i'm, I'm a big fallout fan i finished fallout 3 twice and you know finishing that game you're, you're talking a hundred hours ago mm. um i mean i finished new vegas and put a lot of time into that and i was so hyped for for fallout 4 and it came and i kind of first few hours i was so excited really into it and then i was kind of like man this is kind of more the same it's good but it's not great you know the engine hasn't really been overhauled from skyrim despite us being in a new generation the city you know if you were not to tell me what city we were in i'd just be like are we still in the city from fallout 3 because mm. you know everywhere looks the same which i suppose they're they're restricted by the setting i mean it, it is a post-apocalyptic world that's what it's going to be like um so i suppose they are that's unavoidable but it was nonetheless something that, that stood out to me and i i just thought like even the dlcs or you no know, fallout 3 had some of my favorite dlcs ever and fallout 4 just quite didn't have it so it, it's a strange inclusion to me you know whereas i'd be more talking about like yourself i'd be considering it one of more so one of the bigger disappointments of this console generation for me personally but i mean if someone else i wouldn't be surprised if you know as we said i think it was dice actually that gave a game of the year in 2015 so i mean if dice can give a game of the year um i think you know, I'm sure pe there are people who will mention that in, in this conversation. And I think that's the interesting thing when you come to a conversation like this, when while you're going to have a certain list of games that most people are going to mention, you're going to have surprises. Um, and I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we obviously will segue into to Fallout 76 soon. But um, one other thing I think is, is worth mentioning and, and it was somewhat a feature of the last gen as well, but a little less so is, is you know, indie games, you know, kind of the, they're kind of the, mm. the games that all, you know, some people mention, some people, some people don't and, and people have their own preferences. But I mean, you look at some games that jump out to me, like Inside, you know, Inside, obviously Limbo, which was their, the first game from that studio is probably one of the indie games that defined the last generation. But, Inside, there are people who argued for for Inside to be game of the year when it came out. I mean, it, it, it most publications seem to have a finishing second, if if not first. I mean, it, it was a massive hit. Uh, what remains of Edith Finch won game of the year last year from from some publications, and I mean, um, and Undertale, like another massive indie game that that is is like a. a kind of you can't avoid hearing about it especially now obviously that that uh that the creator has has announced his, his new game are there are any indie games that you think kind of deserve to be in this conversation um the best game i've ever played is a game called minor dig deep on the xbox 360 and that's an that's an indie game 
It's proper basic. It's just a, it's just a mining game. You get you get to the end, you get a diamond. Go on, start again. <laughs> but it, it's the mo- it's probably the most addicting experience I've ever pl- ever played on on a game. It's it's just a basic game, and I've never replaced that feeling. Like there's obviously been better games, there's been more brilliant games, but I think that's what this gen's missing. Obviously, there's some brilliant um, indie titles that are quite bigger. I know you were an Xbox 360, but do you do you just remember going on the Xbox 360 marketplace and just looking at the indie titles, and there were so many shit ones that you're just like, I'd play the crap out of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you can you can still do that this gen, um, but it just doesn't. I just it just doesn't seem to be the same to me from the Xbox 360 days. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think like overall, you know, there are more indie titles this gen and because it's easier for indie studios to publish their titles I, I think the platform holders are a bit more easy on that um, and also they see the importance of, of indie titles and as a result there are more great indie titles I mean again I'm, I, I'm a game I'm hoping to get around to playing this year uh, Celeste which is a game that's probably going to be in the, the game of the year conversation for most publications is is an example of that and you know there, there's been some other great ones this year like arguably more than ever this year like that, that people talk about a lot um, you know the messenger is another one and you know so I think there's more of an abundance but at the same time because there's more of an abundance that's also a negative impact and I think that probably plays into what you're saying that like in the last gen there were less of them they were more noticeable even the bad ones and I think it was almost it was a kind of indie titles but previous to that before the Xbox Live Arcade indie titles had kind of been a PC thing we mm. us console players didn't really have that so the idea of these little games you know some of which were inspired by like the games we would have played back in in our childhood you know it, it was kind of there's a charm to them and you know and especially when the great games you know the the uh, Braid and Limbo and, and Bastion you know these these quality titles um i mean that that still have you know they're, they're still popular today i mean all uh, i don't think braid has been ported but I, I know obviously limbo and bastion have been yeah. ported to, to modern consoles i only completed bastion there recently like so haven't first tried to play it years ago and just couldn't finish it but um i mean so i, I get what you're saying i think it was more kind of a there was more of a it was more exciting, maybe almost these arcade titles because they were new at the time and, yeah. and they were easier to, to notice. But I think you know, as I said, there are definitely some titles you know in this gen that that are belong in this conversation and ultimately are going to be um, in, in this conversation. But but as you said, most importantly, which is why we probably will re- we will revisit this this topic probably on the eve of the new consoles launching where we'll we'll look back on this generation as a whole and i wouldn't be surprised if the lists that we're discussing now doubles in size over the next possibly in over the next couple of years because there's there's so many great games on on the horizon i mean there's you know as a lot of people say and, and it's true there's no better time than to be a gamer than than now really yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, Carl, I know. Well, I think we're we're about one twenty-five into the show. Um, but just your quick thoughts on Fallout seventy-six. I, I'm not sure if you had experience with the beta. Um, I did. Um, I ended up cancelling my pre-order. I mean, it wasn't because the game was bad. It was just a fact that it 
it's in it's RDR two season. <laughs> I haven't finished Assassin's Creed. I've got RDR two to finish still. Um, it's probably not going to be on sale for Black Friday, where you always pick up the odd thing. Um, and I think they just kind of mistimed this. And um, my mate, obviously these types of games where it's an MMO type thing, survival thing. You you need you need mates to play with them. One of my mates pulled out of buying it, so I just think it's one of them games that it it might flop in the short term, but I think it might get better in the long term. I think obviously you got to compare it to Elder Scrolls Online. I don't think it'll be as good as that, if I'm honest, off the little bits I've played. But you're you're the Fallout fan. I mean, what quickly? What what are your thoughts on Fallout going to to multiplayer and all this? Honestly, I mean, we, we discussed this recently in, in the WhatsApp group and, you know, honestly, I I have very little interest in this game and, and I, I don't expect it to, to do well, to, to be blatantly honest. I mean, I just, when it was first announced, I was kind of like, oh yeah, cool, multiplayer Fallout, I'll play that with my mates. And then I kind of like, read previews and watched things and I mean, uh, you know, kind of thought about it really. And I was like, you know, but honestly, I'm probably going to be playing Red Dead Online with my mates. I don't think mm, my mates are probably going to get this. That. And yeah. I mean, even when Red Dead starts to die down, maybe a little, then you're going to have things like Anthem in, in the spring. And, you know, you said, is it the right time to release it? Maybe not, but the spring's clearly not the right time to release it because I think, you know, I, I think honestly anthem's probably gonna have more behind it than than fallout would and so mm. probably the division, division too yeah. so they, I, had I just, to, they had to undercut rdr 100 percent. i i don't know yeah i don't know why they've made this game i don't understand this game i mean fallout isn't a multiplayer game i mean and if you were going to make a fallout multiplayer game go the whole way Make a Fallout MMO. I mean, uh, Fallout long-term Fallout fans will know that Interplay, the company that used to ma- made the original Fallout games, they when they sold off the game, they retained the rights to make a Fallout MMO. They were taking so long to make it, and then suddenly, like Bethesda, there was a bit of a legal struggle, and Bethesda came out with the rights to to the MMO. Um, and I thought, okay, when obviously Elder Scrolls Online starts to die down, we'll probably get Fallout Online. Fine. But like, why are we getting this this middle step, this this kind of co-op Fallout almost? I, I just don't understand it. Like for me, the charm of the Fallout is the story, the the world, the characters. But this is just like a dead world where you're just going around with your mates shooting, um, kind of super mutants. And don't even get me started on how they've retconned the whole story that super mutants are supposedly now in that area, even though they shouldn't exist, and how because uh, it's conveniently another strand of the virus and <laughs> how the 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 brotherhood of steel that weren't supposed to be found um, not supposed to have emerged for another like 50 years or something are suddenly in this game like it, it's a total mess to me and i mean as i we said earlier i mean fallout 4 you know didn't really make great strides from from skyrim in terms of the engine and that and you know this game doesn't look to have made many strides from fallout 4 a game which came out three years ago and already seems somewhat dated in some ways so i just i don't have uh, you know much much interest in this and and i don't think it's going to do that well i mean the the beta you know their damning thing you cancelled your pre-order i know as you said it wasn't just because of your opinion on the game it was it was said uh, to do with like kind of external factors like other games and that but but nonetheless those things apply and like the the previews haven't been great and like 
what was me was the final nail in the coffin where I said, yeah, I'm probably not going to get this game, was when they, remember, they allowed a few kind of game publications to play the game, and mm. they had gameplay videos on, and it was like an hour or something, and I was watching people play that, and I was just like, wow, this looks awful. This is like this boring, <laughs> empty world. And, and, I, and my interest just dropped to zero, which compare that to like, which is a good comparison, um, Cyberpunk, a game that also had an hour of gameplay released in, in kind of recent months. And I don't really like watching game. I'll watch short gameplay clips, but I don't want to watch an hour of a game because I'm like, I'm going to play this game. I don't want to ruin on me. But I couldn't look away. Cyberpunk, I watched the full video. I was like, this is, this is quality. And I mean, I think just like The Witcher 3 came out, and I mean, we we didn't we didn't talk too much about that previously, but I mean that is that is what an open world RPG should be, and I mean that made that was the game that probably made Fallout Four and and Bethesda look a little silly. Yeah. So now I I'd say like, what is Cyberpunk's probably going to do the same again from Sayday Project, and I, I just for me I, I know obviously they back this game, they put money into it, but I just. If I'm Bethesda, I probably just would have read the tea leaves and said, "Yeah, we're we're pulling the plug on this." You know, they've, you know, forget forget Fallout 76 because I mean, I even laughed. At, you know, there's been a bit of a backlash about the game, and you look at like P. Hines made some comment, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the the quote in front of me, but he was basically like, "Relax, we're working on stuff you're gonna like." You know, we've we've got um. Starfield and we've got Elder Scrolls 6 you know coming in the future and it's like okay so you know what we like you know what we want so <laughs> why are you giving us Fallout 76 I, don't I think know. the fact that it's, it's Zenimax, I think Zenimax is making it aren't they they, they obviously made um, Elder Scrolls it, yeah it's I think it's um, it's it's Bethesda and then it, it's like our kind of involved and then it's also um let me have a look actually who the other studio is that they're kind of primarily responsible for it. Um have a look there now. It is the developer oh it says Bethesda Game Studios, but I think technically it's somewhat the classic Bethesda studios, you know, mm-hmm. with Todd Howard having somewhat of a, an involvement, but it's largely been doing, but done by like a second Bethesda game studios. Apparently three studios involved, Bethesda Dallas, Bethesda Austin, and Bethesda Montreal. Um, so clearly, um, you know, I even look at Todd Howard's not the director of the game, he's an executive producer. Um, so, that, I mean, that says it all. It doesn't even have Todd's hand completely in it. And, you know, you need Todd. We need, we need, we just need more Todd. So, it's not enough Todd in this game for me. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be giving it a, at a pass. I mean, do you think you'll, you'll play it eventually? I know you said you cancelled your pre order, but do you think maybe in January or something, if Red Dead dries up a little bit, you, you might give this a go? Um,. No, <laughs> I think it might be a next summer job if I'm honest, because these these are the sort of games that get better over time, aren't they? I mean, if you look, Elder Scrolls Online is the natural comparison, but if you compare that at launch to a year or so on, it's probably a completely different game. And I think th- this will kind of be the similar um, situation with this. Um, so maybe maybe when there's that summer lull ne- next summer, um, it'll be one to pick up then because. What is there? The early on, there's um, Division Two. There's Anthem, as we mentioned. Uh, I think Skull and Bones, which I'm really looking forward to, is coming out as well. True. Uh, 
and there's probably many more that I can't think of off the top of my head, so I think I'm waiting for that summer, probably that first summer sale on Xbox, and hopefully it's there, because I, I, I think Bethesda love a sale. <laughs> um, like, uh, there's all there's always those games on sale, isn't there? There's, there's, all, there's always Ubisoft, there's always 2K games, and then there's always um, Bethesda games on sale. So... Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that to be on sale. If anything, and hopefully, hopefully, if I pick it up for thirty quid, that it, it won't sour my uh, opinion on it. Because if I paid sixty quid for it and then I'm not asked about it for another six months or so, that's going to annoy me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an it's an interesting point. I mean, we talked about Destiny earlier, and it's it's Taken King and and Forsaken moments, you know, and Fallout seventy six is somewhat you know in the same kind of wheelhouse as um destiny so maybe fallout 76 will have its taken king style expansion mm. and, and so maybe become something good uh in in the next six months but uh, i'm just as i said i didn't even stick around for, for taking King. so if i'm not jumping on fallout to, to begin with I'm, I'm not sure I'll, I'll ever kind of give it a try which is a shame as you know as I, I usually kind of jump into everything bethesda but you know i think i'll be i'll be holding out for for starfield personally yeah i mean if i don't end up getting it Unless it ends up like free or in Game Pass, uh, which again Bethesda seems to do uh, quite commonly, um, it might be one I just avoid if anything. Because I imagine there's going to be one more Bethesda title before this gen finishes. Because obviously Skyrim was kind of the very end of it, and I doubt Bethesda want to leave it on possibly a sour note. Obviously, we'll see what it's like uh, when all the reviews and stuff come out after release, but. Um, it might be one to discuss on the next show. Uh, see, see what the initial release uh, reaction is. Yeah, definitely. It'd be one to watch. See if they've kind of maybe taken some criticisms. I've already seen some stories. To be fair to them, where they've kind of come out and said, "Yeah, that that that's a problem. It'll be solved for the actual game." So you know, at least they're they're trying. And and you know, to be fair to Todd Howard, he has come out and talked about a lot that this is this is a beta and there's a reason they do betas. And so hopefully they can, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I like, I love Bethesda and I am rooting for them. And I, I'd like nothing more than Fallout 76 to prove me wrong and be a good game. I'm just, I'm just not that hopeful at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll finish up on uh, Fallout 76 there. And I mean, we've already gone all the time, so I might as well ask you what you've been playing, Carl. Well, I've been playing a little old game called Red Dead Redemption 2. Maybe you heard of it. Yeah, is it any good? It's 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 great. I mean, it's it's just an awesome game. I mean, as you said earlier, like we we, we hopefully will will be reviewing it soon. And you know, I'm as you said, ready to review it because I've finished the game. I mean, I've been doing nothing but playing this game uh, for for the past almost two well two weeks now it's two weeks today since the game out um you know i'm I'm in the second half of the epilogue currently um but I, but i would have obviously went to finish that if, if we had been reviewing it today but nonetheless I'm, I'm glad i get to kind of take my last bit of time kind of exploring and, and doing a bit more hunting and whatnot i mean the game is absolutely massive i, I don't know how you can check your play time but I so part of me does is fearful of checking it because it's probably something crazy at this point. Like the the amount of exploration, the side quests, the hunting, the I mean the and the story. Like the story never seemed to end. I I thought like at one point I was like oh, I'm close to the end of the story, and then things was like 
15 more missions. You know? <laughs> That's It's crazy how long this game is. Like, And, and it, it is a great game. And we are obviously going to review it in, in depth more. So, you know, and uh, there are a couple of criticisms, but I'll, I'll save them for then. But, I mean, all in all, this is a, a fantastic game. And, I mean, it, it's no wonder it's getting the hype it is because it, it is deserved. What, what are your impressions so far? Um, just checking my game time. I've played thirty-eight hours so far. Where, uh, where do you check it? Uh, on, it's on, the it's on, on Xbox, you can just check on your achievements and stuff, and it shows up. Ah, nah, we don't have yeah. that in place. Yeah, one nil. <laughs> 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 we'll finish the pod. Then. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, I've played thirty-eight hours, and I'm on chapter four. But yeah, I, I've had a bit of a busy week trying to do, sort some new stuff. Um, but I will be back in the groove and playing a lot more this week. So hopefully, come this time next Friday, I'll be I'll be in the position to to review it. But uh, I, fuck it, I'll promise it here. I will finish it this week, and we will review it next week, Carl. Exciting! I cannot wait to to review this game. It'll be just like just like the Spider Man review. I'll just be so so much to say. Like it's it's um such a great game and and i just i can't wait to talk about it in depth to be honest yeah absolutely i mean <laughs> if we thought the spider-man one was in depth this is this is going to take a little bit longer so that might even be a two-part but um, never yeah. know that's that's true yeah absolutely but uh we'll we'll talk about that much more next week um but carl will finish up there and i i will keep that promise i will finish the game but we'll finish up there so thanks for listening everybody goodbye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.